today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. If we're operating and living our Christian lives in the energy of our own flesh, it's just a matter of time. We'll hit the wall. You can count on it. But conversely, when you're operating and living your life in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's limitless. It's limitless. The picture is fabulous. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Limitless. What a great word. Pastor J.D. reminds us that when we operate within the power of the Holy Spirit, the energy we have access to is limitless. Operating from the flesh quickly ends in exhaustion and despair. Stop relying on your flesh alone and invite the Holy Spirit to energize and sustain you to walk according to God's will. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study called Spiritual Stamina. He would boast in his strength. He was weak. And when he was weak, he was strong. And he would boast in that strength because that strength was from the Lord. That love was from the Lord. And that's what drove him. That's what propelled him. That's what motivated him. I like how one commentator said it. Paul's motivation was the love of Christ, not his love for Christ, but Christ's for him. A few years ago, a ministry magazine reported that over 80% of those involved in full-time ministry experience ministerial burnout, which is causing pastors to leave the ministry at a higher rate than those who are entering the ministry, and which results in the average pastor staying in the pulpit for less than three years. The Lord loves me, Paul said. He died for me, and he rose again that I might live for him. Thus, it was the love of Christ that kept Paul from burning out and giving up. This last week, my wife was sharing with me about a pastor here on the island that just gave up, tossed in the towel. Big church, big church. And he left the islands, local boy, and moved to the mainland. That's it. He had had it. He had had it. I want to say to somebody like that, Jesus loves you, man. Jesus loves you, pastor. Jesus loves you, Christian. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Charles Spurgeon had this to say. The love of Christ had pressed Paul's energies into one force, turned them into one channel, and then driven them forward with a wonderful force till he and his fellows had become a mighty power for good, ever active and energetic. Well, this brings us to our sixth reason that Paul never burned out. And it's because he lived for the Lord. Paul did not live for himself. 
He didn't do what he did because of what was in it for him. In verse 15 he says, Christ died for all, so those who live should no longer live for themselves. Did you catch that? No longer live for themselves as it would appear heretofore they were doing. Living for themselves. He says, but for Christ who died for all and all died to self because of it. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the best ways to avoid burnout, it would have to be that of dying to self. Picking up your cross and following the Lord. And here's why. When you die to self, you can't live for self because self is dead. You've died to self. (laughs) And when you don't live for self, you'll live for the Lord. And when you live for the Lord, you'll live a spirit-filled life. And the spirit-filled life comes packaged with the Holy Spirit's empowering. And there's no other way. And that was Paul's secret. He had died to self. He was living for the Lord. Everything he did was for the Lord. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. This is what I like to call the hurry up and wait passage. Jesus is saying, you you got a world to reach. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But you have to wait. Don't even think about doing that until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus reiterates the promise that is ultimately fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word dunamis, where we get our word for dynamite. What was that sitcom? You'll forgive me for quoting a old sitcom, but what was that sitcom? That one got dynamite! <laughs> okay, never mind. Just want to make sure you're still awake. I know it's early. <laughs> Dynamite. That's the dunamis, the the dynamite, the dynamic, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the antithesis of operating in the energy and the strength of the flesh. If we're operating and living our Christian lives in the energy of our own flesh, it's just a matter of time. We'll hit the wall. You can count on it. But conversely, when you're operating and living your life in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's limitless. It's limitless. The picture is fabulous in Zechariah 4.6. Two olive trees with a continual supply of olive oil. That's the source. And that's why Zechariah 4.6 says, it's not by might. It's not by my power, my willpower, my own strength. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. 
I think oftentimes we are guilty, sometimes unknowingly, of being more like Ishmael, a type of the flesh, than we are like Isaac, a type of the spirit. Why is Ishmael a type of the flesh? Because that's when, and that was the result of Abraham and Sarah trying to help God out. You ever try to do that? I can promise you, (laughs) don't try to help God out. You can't help God out, okay? One of the things that I'm realizing in my walk with the Lord is to just stay out of his way. My favorite hymn, I should say one of my favorite hymns because all of the hymns are my favorite hymns, but one particular hymn, in fact my mom paid me to learn to play it on the piano. And it was, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. You know the hymn. It was hymn number 272 in my hymnal. I remember it very well. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I'm the clay. That's Isaiah. Lord, do with me as you will. And stop fighting him. Stop fighting the Lord and the work that he's doing in you and through you. And make no mistake about it, he has to do the work in you before he can do the work through you. He has to mold you and shape you like the potter with the clay. And sometimes it's very painful. Have you seen potters? How they do clay? How they take clay, which is basically mud, and they take it and they... And then they shape it and they stick it on that wheel and spin it around at a hundred jillion miles an hour until you're so dizzy you have no idea, God, what are you doing? And then when the wheel starts to slow down and you're catching your breath, (laughs) he picks you up after taking all the gook out of you and shaping you and putting his hand in you. He picks you up. And he puts you in the kiln, (laughs) appropriately named kiln. (laughs) You're killing me, God. What are you doing? It's the fiery furnace of affliction, Isaiah says. I'm refining you. I'm conforming you. I'm making you into the image of Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to empower you. And that was the Apostle Paul. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, don't even think about starting and going out until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And to the disciples' credit, they didn't burn out either, did they? You know how they died? They finished well. They finished well, and they died horrific deaths because of their commitment to the Savior and their loyalty to the Savior. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves, what would I do if I was in a position like many of the Arabs in the Middle East where either I renounce Jesus Christ or I'm beheaded? 
Would I be able to stand up and, and do that? Forgive me if that's morbid, but that's reality, by the way. That's the reality in the Middle East today. You know why they are able to keep the faith, so to speak? It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. The seventh reason that Paul never gave up is because he had a Christ-like worldview, or if you prefer, as we would say today, a biblical worldview. In verse 16, he says that he regards no one from a worldly point of view as he once regarded Christ, but that he doesn't do so any longer. (laughs) What's he saying here? Well, what he's saying here is that before he was saved on the road to Damascus, he only saw Christ through a fleshly or worldly viewpoint. I find it interesting Not so much that Paul was saved on the road to Damascus, but how Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. God allowed him to be blind for three days. Why? Well, I believe it's because Jesus rose again from the dead after three days. And he was in the darkness of the grave for three days, like Jonah was three days in the belly of the great fish, in the darkness of the belly of the great fish. So too was the Son of Man. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was allowing Paul in his physical blindness to spiritually see, and specifically see Jesus anew. Remember now, he was killing people that had given their lives to Jesus Christ, that were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. G. Campbell Morgan had some interesting insight into this. He writes, when Paul knew Christ after the flesh, he considered him as the leader of a new sect, the leader of a new party, a menace to holy religion, He says, we do not see him like that anymore. We know him now in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Jesus was giving Paul spiritual eyes to see. The eighth reason Paul never gave up is because he lived his life as a new creation. In verse 17, he says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. I know some of your translations render it creature. Personally, I just don't like that. It just kind of has, you know, weird connotations. I'm a, I'm a creature. <laughs> no, I like creation better. A new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things become new. What Paul says here is important on many levels, chiefly because he's speaking of the truth of our regeneration in Christ. Regeneration is the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a work that only God, the Holy Spirit, can do in the life of a believer. And it's important to understand that regeneration is not the same thing as 
turning over a new leaf or getting my act together. I'll never forget many years ago, I was actually shortly after we moved here and I called a friend of mine, not a believer, been witnessing to him, praying for him for many years and I called him and he made this comment to me. He said, I've turned over a new leaf. It's like, okay, what do you mean? And he went on to explain that he had made a decision to really get his act together. Well, I knew that he wasn't born again. So it was shortly after that that I actually went back to the mainland and met with him. And it was really interesting because I was speaking at my sending church, Calvary Spokane, and I noticed this young man out in the uh, you know crowd, and he came up to me, and it was my friend's son. And he said... Uh, his dad sent him to the church that day, not knowing I was there, because the Lord got a hold of him, and he was born again. And I just started, of course, weeping, and got together with him, and truly, uh, he had given his life to Christ. It was the regeneration of the Holy Spirit in his life. Adam Clark of this said, The man is not only mended, but he is new made. There is a new creation which God himself owns as his workmanship. It's in the original language, the word poema, where we get poem. We're his workmanship. And you know how artists will put their names on their work, their their paintings? Well, so too does the Lord put his name on us. God himself owns as his workmanship and which he can look on and pronounce very good. Very good. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, explains this further in Ephesians 4, through 24. He says, Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the de- deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Even though we are a new creation, we still drag that old man along with us, don't we? And we do so to our own peril. The ninth and last reason Paul never gave up, is because he saw himself as Christ's ambassador. In verses 18 and 19, he says that God, through Christ, gave him the ministry of reconciliation, such that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. In verse 20, he says, it's for this reason. This is why he sees himself as Christ's ambassador. And this is hugely important. He says as though God were pleading through him to implore them to be reconciled to God. And in verse 21, he then says that he made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You'll forgive the abrupt close, but one of the things the Lord has ministered to me personally over the years is that 
I would only do what I do for him. Don't take this personally, but I would not do what I do for you. I don't do what I do for you. I serve you as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. But you know what gets me up in the morning and gets me through the day and allows me to sleep when I put my head on the pillow at night? It's knowing that I'm doing this for him, for him. This last week, I it's still surreal for me, this beautiful church. I, I, I still walk around and find myself, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This is unbelievable, isn't it? I'm just like, Lord, you, you must really love us. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to. Listen, if the only thing the Lord ever did for you and me was to save us, that's enough. This is, this is all bonus. This is all extra. This is all exceedingly above and beyond anything we could have ever thought or imagined in our lives, let alone ask for. Look what God has wrought. Listen, <laughs> if it were not for God's calling on my life, there's no way in the world that I would ever do this for anyone or anything else. Listen, when I got saved, I had no idea that I would one day become a pastor. And I can assure you, my wife never signed up to be a pastor's wife either. <laughs> you know what God did? And I'm so thankful he did. He ruined me for him. I had plans, man. They were pretty impressive too, by the way. I'll just have you know. I was pretty impressed with the plans that I had for my life, you know. I was going to do this and this, go into such and such a city and do business there and make a profit. Lord willing, of course. I had it all laid out, printed out, double spaced, 12 font, aerial narrow. Very impressive. <laughs> and I just pictured the Lord in heaven just looking down, just going... <laughs> Oh, look at you. How cute. I see that you have all your ducks in a row, as we say. Okay. There go my ducks in a row. He ruined me for him. And you know what my only regret is? Is that I didn't let him do it sooner. I didn't let him do it sooner. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor J.D.'s Aloha Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. 
The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with you